Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo decoded report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestion, endo aligned product matching in your state, suggested dosage guidelines, and optimum methods of administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeka soft gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeka Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. What's up, everyone? It's 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon, which means you're tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News. I'm producer Lauren, and today we're going to be speaking with Kristen Baldwin and Caitlin Ryan from the Cannabis Alliance. But first, we do have to get into a little bit of Cannabis Legalization News. So, Miggy and Tom, how y'all doing? Hey, Lauren. Hey. How are you? Good. What's Good happening? Um, did you know what the state of Illinois did yesterday? What's Wait, they, they actually updated the infuser application. Oh my God. So like they're accepting them. They've been accepting them for two weeks. And the most recent update to the infuser application was on March 2nd. Did they change like wording like craft grow again or some bullshit? Uh, no, I think the, the change was, and I, this is, this is my fault. Oh good. I'm on do not disturb. I say I'm just kind of a little flustered because I've been running around literally all day. And then please do come out to the Hubbard Inn tonight in Chicago. That's right. Reporting from the Chicago office today, uh, at Hubbard Inn in Chicago tonight at seven is a panel discussion that I'll be on uh, for the Green and Shy uh, nice. network event. So uh, yeah, there's a, there's a pretty good panel that's together. Some people in real estate, mine's more like regulatory uh, compliance aspects, and then um, so we'll be talking more cannabis live this evening. So when they uh, when they do an update like that, the, how do they blast it and alert, and alert everybody like, hey, check oh. your applications. Well, you know, I guess I could easily share my screen on that. I, to, in effort to save browser space, I'd like exited out of it. So let me just go back one and I can show you. Let me now share my screen here and uh, you'll see. And this is this is actually something that I had to stop doing because I would download because this is the actual page itself. And so okay. I like a fool who thinks that I should keep my own records in case I don't have the Internet. Uh, so I would go here and then I would download this as a PDF. Bad mistake, because then, as you can see, uh, this was just updated. Well, not yesterday. I guess it's the fourth now, isn't it? So it was updated on uh, Monday. Uh, mm. And and uh, so I always just now when I have the clients, I'm like, don't don't because like they, they updated it. And so we're building stuff for the application. And it's wrong because the uh, Illinois likes to challenge you. Oh, 
the other thing is I'm going to stop sharing my screen and remind everybody that you're going to want to stick around until the end because that's when I'm going to tell you the big cannabis legalization news. Right on. <laughs> I like how you say right on. That was that. Uh, well, uh, I'll tell you who has got the contract to grade the, the cannabis dispensary applications in Illinois. Right on. Hey, uh, the reason why I asked you is because Michigan just put out some uh, uh, release some notes. They're, they're actually squashing their slowly killing their medical program. Did oh, you see that? Uh, yeah, I saw that you had shared something and that sucks that they're slowly killing their medical program, but their medical program was substantially different than their current legalization tapric. I'm sorry, rubric. So that may explain why they're um, thinking about gutting their medical. I mean, uh, Michigan was like it was illegal to sell. And so there was a lot of um, care providers and those. I, is that what they call them? You know, yeah, yeah, I think that's any state. But All right. Well, <laughs> Illinois had them, but that would just you would just be a courier to go to the dispensary and pick up the medicine for the patient. In in some states, they actually get to be the gardener, the cultivator, you know? Yeah, the caregiver, yeah. another person. The caregiver, that's it. And so, uh, right. And because they had that caregiver system, that might explain why they're really, really changing it to more of a controlled supply where the supply is going to have to be tested, come through licensed facilities that's regulated a specific way, what's in it. Uh, some of the growers that come out of uh, Michigan, I mean, not, they're, they're great growers. It's just that they were growing in a different type of market than uh, an industrial type of factory cannabis market like you're seeing in the indoor grows in Illinois. Yeah, I just think in Michigan, their, their culture is older. And it's Ash Bash, John Sinclair. Yeah. yeah. You're just uh, about to boost the black market or the traditional market. Uh, legacy market. There you go. Yeah. Legacy market. That's uh, for everybody who's out there tuning up their uh, master grower resumes. First off, you can email them at Tom at collateralbase.com. I'll take a, take a look at your grower resume. But then also, um, if you have legacy industry experience, that's how I define it. Not just like I was selling weed yeah. for cash, you know, legacy industry experience. Yeah. Well, you got to know what you're talking about, too. I mean, the whole process the plant like a proper grow right you remember uh jj was talking about how 75 percent of the consumers don't care uh if it's quality cannabis or not they just want the blood oh that's that jj was saying it was 75 percent don't care about quality cannabis that's terrible i can't believe that cannabis yeah. is in such a such a terrible state of affairs in 2020 where right? it's never been so it's so delicious when you get it done right and exactly yeah. and it's medicinal like that's you know so, even though so, it's just a magic plant that covers a lot of uh uh uh, different elements. Uh, you know what I thought was cool uh, legalization news this week. You had, you did it. You, uh, you hacked that Google search engine algorithm. Uh, and, and Miggy made a video on the coronavirus and cannabis, and it's just been blazing, uh, uh the, the internet search because people are searching for cannabis coronavirus. And, and then you get Miggy's little report that he did. Well, here, let me, let me go outside of Seattle and show you what's going on. Oh, do you guys have like, oh, that's good. That's good. I, I, is that a furry that's in the back of the zombies? Yeah. Well, you know, it is Seattle. I'm just saying they legalized uh, weed. That's right. Yeah, we got furries everywhere in the corner. <laughs> we got uh, Bill zombies. Murray. I think oh, it's is Bill that a Bill Murray right? zombie? I think so. But, uh, well, you know, that's what we hear. And I think our guests actually have some insight as to the spread of the coronavirus that we'll bring on later. Um, anyway, I just thought it was a it, these weeks are now becoming blurs. And so this was like the first week or day that I've gone to Chicago and, oh, do you want to see a dead plant? What? No. 
No, it's a Japanese oh. peace lily. It's not a cannabis plant. Nobody should let those die unless they need to be harvested. But this is uh, this is what happens when you go back downstate to the farm to work on cannabis applications for two weeks straight. There's some collateral damage. That's that's a sad state of affairs, my friend. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. But you know what I got before I left uh, Peoria? So the plants would be okay there? Well, it seems like a, a great amount of lag is what you got going on. A great amount of lags. Yeah, your 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 audio is coming in great, but your right, well, uh, I'm glad for the people listening at home. The audio is coming in well, but um, that is uh, I'm hardwired into it. It's just that I like I have not been here for two weeks, so I bet Comcast just kind of dialed down my internet, and it's like oh, now it's using bandwidth. What's going on? Just shut it down. Well, I'm play your tabs too now. Google Chrome is probably eating your shit up, but uh, that's not all I have open. And like I was working. And like, if I wasn't doing this, I'd still be working. I'll just uh, quit all of those and save that. And I'll try. Why don't you interview our guests and I'll reboot. All right. I love it. <laughs> hey, Lauren, let's bring on uh, uh, our guest from the Canvas Alliance. All right. Sounds like a plan. Hey, Hi. Christian and Caitlin, what's going on? Hi. Hello. Thanks for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about the Cannabis Alliance? Sure. Go right ahead. <laughs> we'll give you our standard line and then Caitlin will give you the inside scoop. Okay. We're the largest trade association in the state of Washington and we represent the widest variety of uh, licensees and ancillary businesses. So we have 250 members and we're growing, growing very quickly. Mm-hmm. And you guys are strictly in Washington state? Primarily, we do have a lot of partnerships uh, throughout the country with other statewide trade organizations, yeah. um, as well as uh, a couple of the national organizations. And we do have members that are outside of the Washington state, but it's mostly Washington state just because of the way um, the industry is right now. Well, yeah. yeah, you guys were around before when it was medical, right? Yeah, um, actually, the alliance, it's called the Alliance because it was formed out of a couple of different groups coming together, the largest of which was the, um, what did CFC stand for? Cannabis. Um, at any rate, it was a patient group that um, was the primary beginner. Yeah. And that's a big focus of what you guys do, too, right, for the patients? Yeah, we're, we're very much focused on patients and then also making the industry sustainable. Yeah. yeah. So um, our mission statement is the Cannabis Alliance is dedicated to the advancement of a vital, sustainable and ethical cannabis industry. And so we believe that includes ancillary businesses, licensees and patients. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, Kristen, you're the president, right? No, uh, Caitlin's the president. I'm okay. the executive director. Yes. Yes. We're each other's bosses. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, the reason why I thought Caitlin was because I was trying to do some research on, on both of you guys before we... Uh, you know, met and then I, I see Caitlin does a lot of the uh, um, uh, the LCB meetings, which is uh, the governing body here. Like you sign in, whether it's pro or, or not, or I think it's your signature or your Maybe name. On there. We, yeah, Kristen usually does a lot of I mean, at a lot yeah. of those LCB meetings. And, yeah. Right on. I what pop in think? when when it's when I'm required um, or when I'm interested. But yeah, um, yeah Kristen's the official LCB okay. man. Yes. And then as president, because your background is, you're, you're a politi- political consultant, right? Yes. Yeah. So my background is actually education, and that's where some of that political consulting comes in. Um, worked a lot on curriculum development and statewide standards. Um, my doctorate then arts education and qualitative research. And um, kind of moved through that. And then I had four children, which made it hard to continue being a teacher. 
and uh, came over to my other love, which is cannabis and politics. Right on. Then, uh, uh, and for, for you, uh, I'm, again, I'm, I got to work you guys' names out here. Got to give me a minute. Tom, you look a lot better now. Uh, well, let's just wait until I actually try using the platform. I'm sure it'll screw up really, really quickly. So <laughs> then uh, why couldn't you be a teacher anymore after you had four kids? I would have to have paid to go to work. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. As an educator, um, to pay for childcare for with that many young children. No. No, it, it does that grow you, life happens, right? Life happens, yeah. That's expensive, you know, and four kids. That's four yeah. miles to feed, four sets yeah. of things to pick up. Well, well, I, I the um, crowds at Costco just for our, our weekly family trip to Costco. <laughs> I miss Costco wow. trips. My, my kids are older now, but when they're little, man, Costco, your go-to for everything. Yeah, well, <laughs> so what's uh, Campus Lines working on now for, for Washingtonian uh, uh, law? Um, well, our session's starting to wind down right now. Thank um, goodness. Thank yeah. goodness. Thank it, was, goodness. it was a bit of a hairy ride this year. Yeah. So, What was um, on the agenda in Washington State? Oh, we had all sorts of things on the agenda for Washington State this, because it's a short session. So it started at the beginning of January and it ends in the middle of March. So legislators were um, just basically throwing bills into the whole mix. And we were looking at unionizing the entire industry, requiring people to have forced a unionization. forced unionization, sorry. Forced unionization in cannabis. Yes. They were gonna they were gonna be required to have a labor peace agreement and collective bargaining agreement. It was a point system and, and those two had the most points in order to renew your license. Ours have very little points, but they ask about them in the uh, application. So like we have uh, a labor peace agreement that we will consider because like these are startups. So like the, the employers hadn't had, even had a say. There are no employees. I thought it would be a state thing, though, like a right to work state like Tucson. When I used to live in Arizona, uh, yeah. the, the machinist union was really trying to get us involved. And um, but they're not the greatest one union out there. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, how does that work in Washington, though? How can you create and force a whole industry to be unionized? Well, you created so that they had a, a lot of points. It was basically a, you had to reach like 200 points. And I think 60 and 70 of those points were collective bargaining and labor peace. So the other pieces were they had to be a living wage, which was about 150 percent of minimum wage. You had to have a child care reimbursement, but you can't be near a child care. So that's kind of a problem. They had oh, to wow. So like you couldn't have your own, like to, as, a, as an employee benefit, you couldn't say like, here's the child care room. So like no, you could have like no. in-house right. child care. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you right. can't look near child care. So, uh, and they also wanted employee profit sharing. But again, that is also un illegal under the LCB rules. Mm. And wow. now we're building that into our applications here in Illinois. Like, you know, right. I'm building, I'm like, all right. And give, give some to the employees. We're trying to check these boxes. Yeah. 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 And, I, and I can see that would be a great one to have, but this is the first year our, our businesses have actually shown a profit. So, yeah. um, but if you do profit sharing, then you have to disclose them as a true party of interest. And if right. they're a party of interest, then they have to have a background check. So it's just this never ending. And this is all to get your license renewed. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was a little bit nutty. Um, so that came up this year. 
And legislators, all you had to say to them was, you know, just take cannabis out of this legislation and how would you feel about it? And that took yeah. a lot of their breath away. They all kind of went, oh, yeah. 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 It's just crazy how Washington governs this whole industry between the LCB and our, our politicians who have no fucking idea what the plant is. But they make the rules. Yeah. They, they make the rules. The rules. Yeah. It's, you're right. But there's all this sort of backpedaling that keeps happening, like a decision's made, and then there's a, a coming back that changes the landscape entirely. And Yeah. Yeah. You know, had we had we talked about things like labor peace agreements and things like this at the outset, yeah, it would be one thing, and we could have had a, a really meaningful conversation. You know, we're committed to labor and making sure that our employees are well taken care of. You know, we'll talk probably a little bit more about how we we truly believe that this is an opportunity to set up an industry that looks different, that's more ethical, um, but. To then suddenly sidle, you know, like you said, there are no employees. Like I, no. most of my colleagues have paid themselves for the very first time this year. Yeah. Oh, wow. um, so you know, it's uh, Washington State. You know, <laughs> whose idea was it to do? Oh, Tom's on the leg again. Uh, I would like to thank the great city of Chicago for just having truly terrible internet. <laughs> Well, I think, I think it came. It, it was it was a bit of a it was a marriage between union and another association, and the other association wants out of state funding, and so they made a deal with the devil. Yeah. And this deal with the devil is: you support our out of state funding, and we'll support your labor peace agreement uh, renewal process. Well, the out of state funding was predominantly trounced right away out of, out of the gate because it was it wasn't really well thought out and uh, the labor peace agreement kept going and unfortunately because of the way the Democrats lean both labor and their very supportive of cannabis it was the two you know liberal leaning industry groups kind of battling it out and making it awkward when the, with the legislators who really do rely on both groups where does the uh, the cannabis alliance stand on home growth? Full support. Very. I testified in support, right, um, with with all the people that have been working on it for years and years. Um, it's extraordinary that because right, Illinois is the only other state that doesn't allow home grow with adult use. I believe yeah, we, that's right. We only have. Medical. It's interesting though. Like I've heard that the the it's almost a de minimis penalty if you're growing the same thing that you can grow if you are a medical patient. Five plants. I have one. It's an autoflower on a timer in my house. It's got months to go, but I can only do that because I'm a, a medical patient. If I was just Joe Blow in Illinois over 21, I couldn't grow. And that's the same here in Washington. You you can get um, you can grow if you are a medical patient. Um, right. Yeah, but then yeah, the registry. Well, we'll join the uh, we'll join your guys's fight for home grow home grow <laughs> Illinois. We need it. Right. Yeah, we do. It, yeah. It's only fair. People allowed to grow tomatoes. They should be allowed what? to grow. What's the penalty? What's so. the penalty? Because, like, I think in Illinois, no home grow, like the penalty is de minimis. So, if you're doing the same thing that I'm going to be doing as a medical patient, I think it's only like two hundred dollars. But I should review that. I'm not. I'm not a criminal lawyer. I'm a business. I don't lawyer. think there's a fine. Is there a set? No, set I don't violation? think there's a set response. I mean, and it can go all the way up to the maximums um, available. It depends but, on the jurisdiction. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I know somebody's been raided, a, a medical patient, him and his wife, mm -hmm. raided up north, and they were under the amount limits. So, again, it's up to the discretion of also the 
yeah. authority in that area. Well, and right now we actually had a bill that we had hoped would go and, and, and didn't um, because right now even medical patients aren't allowed affirmative defense. So what? they're essentially assumed guilty yeah. until they prove that they're not. Yeah. Um, and so we were trying to at least get it shifted over to affirmative defense so that you're innocent until proven guilty. Well, you would also help. I thought that's how that just all. I thought the whole innocent of proven guilty thing uh, was just a, a. That's everywhere. I didn't know that like, in Washington State it's the opposite. That sounds like the civil law of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I told you we're weird, man. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, I mean, but but a homegrown will help the consumer as far as because I saw one of you guys' videos on YouTube where you guys talk about if the consumer always buys the highest THC at the lowest price, you're going to set the market for that expectation. Whereas, uh, you know, if you're intimate with the plant, you get to know things like terpenes and you got to yeah. flush it and you got to cure it. And, uh, you know, there's a whole process that you can fuck up along the way. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we said that a lot to legislators is like, even if every single person wanted to try and grow at home, the likelihood of folks being successful at right. uh, getting, getting an outcome that resembles what they can find at a, right. at a store is it's pretty, pretty low. They already know what they're doing. Which it's, it, it, that's the demonstration that they don't know what they're doing because it's, it's kind of like the homebrew of beer. I mean, this grow, we talk about it all the time. It's work. Like you have to tend to those plants. You have to care for them. You just can't leave. You know, those plants need daily attention. And, yep. and so like the home brewer beer isn't going to put Budweiser out of business. It's not even going to put like the brew pub down the street out of business. There's no. overhead in this industry. And right. then they think in their heads because they don't know, they don't have any experience. So they have an oversimplification. It's like, you mean like you just water it and it's a plant? No, no, no. <laughs> Cold no. Weed. Uh, and in addition to that, what we know from craft brewing and home brewing is that it actually makes people buy more higher priced, higher yeah. price point products. So that's right. It, it, it creates the canisseur out there. Yeah, exactly. so like the beer oh, like Yeah. Totally stealing that one. Canisseur. Canisseur. I like it. Yeah. Well, and then all the ancillary that goes into it too, like you know, grow lights, grow home grow setups. There's so many ways that home grow helps the industry and yeah and then the seeds and the clones that guy come from somewhere yeah. the genetics and the flavor and then that, i think that's yeah. what it's going to get to uh in another five ten years after they've kind of gotten over the whole thc thing then it might really be yeah. brands that have feelings flavors tastes all those types of stuff because they they take all the terpenes and the other uh flavonoids that are in the plant and they create experiences from that i mean it's yeah. gonna be cool yeah, my um, big thing right now is introducing folks to the entourage. Oh, hey, know yeah. your entourage, and that yeah. will help you make sure that you're picking out weed that you like. Yes. Yeah. 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 What else is the alliance working on for Washington? I mean, so I know you guys are also doing packaging, right? Like you guys reduced the film thickness this yeah, recently. We went from four to two millimeters, millimeters, millimeters. millimeters. Boy, I, <laughs> clearly, it's been a while since I've had to work in decimal. Yeah, that's <laughs> an initiative that we've taken on because a lot of the um, environmental concerns are more regulatory, so LCD and you know not so much legislative. So that's a, a good interim project that that we're working on. Um, we working? Yeah, so with LCB, we reduce the thickness of the bags, which okay. represents tens of thousands of waste tonnage per year. What, yeah. what bags uh, did you reduce the thickness of? The, the Mylar bags that um, that folks are required to, to use. 
Is that, how's the how is Washington State handling the cannabis waste issue? You know, we, we have those things here in Illinois, and I'm I've just been throwing them in my recycling. I'm not sure if they're getting through. Which things? I didn't see what you you. Uh, this is an eighth, and so oh, this, this was an eighth. Oh. It's, it's now okay, a zero. But then, uh, <laughs> you can recycle the jars. You cannot recycle yeah. tubes um, yeah. because they're too small, so they don't go through the recycle sorter. So we can't uh, do jars. What's that? So we can't do jars. I, I was told in the beginning when this process all happened, when 502 happened, don't throw away your containers because uh, yeah. because of the touch weed, they can't wash it properly or some, you know, they just it was the dumbest excuse for why you couldn't recycle plastic. Well, the plastic, it's more about the size. You just need to make sure it's not too small for the sorter. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but otherwise, if you're following all the the regular recycling rules. But we will give a plug for our summit because we have a summit coming up, a uh, big think tank summit on September 25th, where we're one of the panels is to talk about the actual plant waste. What do we do with the plant mm -hmm. waste itself? Mm. And how do we recycle that, whether it's into paper or it's compost or what do we, you know, how can we, or whether or not it's not, we can, we can create secondary products with that. Because so. right now, yeah. So bio waste is uh, one of our big focuses for this upcoming year. Cause it's kind of yeah. low hanging fruit. It's an easy one to fix. And right now in Washington Ooh. state, you have to neutralize your plant waste, yeah. which a lot of people use like kitty litter in order to do. Um, so they mix it with a ton of kitty litter and then it all goes right into a landfill, um, which is, Again, it just, yeah, it's it's the it's the regulation. It's the regulators showing that they just are clueless about this plant. And it's the same thing in Illinois. You have to take this plant waste and then render it unusable, like mix it with other trash or something, and then you have to throw it away and make sure, like, oh gosh, it's it's Hitler's ghost or something, you know? Just yeah. Get it get it away from here, as opposed to well, let's look at this from a biological level. It's these chemicals. How can we treat this to make it into paper or to really be a, a, a resource neutral to the fullest extent that you can cannabis provider? That's right. fascinating stuff. It just so, well, meanwhile, we've got composting partners who are chomping at the bit to be able to take that that plant waste in. Right. We've just got to get the regulators to, to, to come off on it. Yeah. yeah. How much weight? And this is something I'll find out as the industry really moves into Illinois next year, and I'm, uh, you know, advising them. Uh, how much weight are we talking about? Uh, in like an indoor grow, how much uh, plant waste does that that put out? I mean, I can only go off of you know what uh, an indoor grow would produce in flower. I mean, that's a just in flower alone. I mean, think of the canopy sizes we're doing. Yeah. A tons a year and that's yeah. that's just flower that's just flowers so i mean it's and the, the stems and everything are pretty yeah. heavy balls. Yeah. And, balls. and i mean there's all this balls. doing with with the entire plant where we're not able to tap into this and frankly our cannabis businesses should be able to make additional money because this yeah that's what well, they refer to as, as waste but really it's not waste it's well, just that's one of the, you're absolutely right. And this is one of the interesting hiccups, though, in the hemp industry right now is that there's no money going into these types of facilities to treat anything that's not related to the flower. Like, so you right. have to grow the CBD hemp. So if we allowed our licensed cannabis uh, cultivators to be able to do that research into the, 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 you know, the, product that you're throwing away. I'm not saying that it's going to be exactly like industrial hemp that you're growing for fiber, but it's the same plant. You'd be able to do some research on it and turn it into a higher value product so that you could then 
help that hemp industry grow and create the industrial applications that, uh, I mean, like who's going to invest $50 million in a plant to create industrial applications for hemp? Yeah. So I actually know who, um, one of our, one of our big initiatives that we've been working on for a few years and we have another year to go. Um, but, uh, establishing the first cannabis commission in the United States here in Washington state, um, we're well known for our agriculture here and, uh, there was no reason why we, we wouldn't put the same, uh, support behind our cannabis industry as we would all of our other agriculture, like apples, Um, research like that is exactly what the commission would would be doing. Oh, you know, yeah. Do that. That'd be awesome. And then, uh, and then we'll go out. We'll do some shows from there. And then I'll I'll tell Illinois that we need to amend this law because that's the beauty part of this cannabis stuff. Because you guys are at the you're the oldest. You're the most experienced state in uh, cannabis legalization at the adult use level, and you still are seeing a constant evolution of your laws. So yeah. might as well start pushing them the ways we want them to go. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. exactly And and that's what we're hoping for. You know, some people get a little confused because commissions a lot of times do out of state advertising and and it's set up to be able to do that once we're federal. But um, until then, yeah, we really want to be a leader and an example for other states of we're tired of being what not to do. We would like to move into the space of what to do. Yeah, totally. Well, it just seems like, too, like policies are written by the stereotype that we're supposed to be. All right, here's what we're going to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that makes no sense. Like, where do you think this stoner stereotype comes from, and why is it so pervasive? Yeah, it just seems like we're being uh, funneled by the powers that be who think like that. It's just, you know. It takes education. It's going to take some time. It takes some education. And I think mm-hmm. this year we got as far, we got farther in the legislature to create this commission than we've ever before. And it was an education to both the legislators and ourselves. And it just took some time it took the Department of Agriculture to kind of push it because they also said, hey, we don't have any research on pesticides. It took some partners in the hemp world to kind of say, whatever we learn in cannabis, we can apply to hemp. Because yeah. often hemp doesn't want to be associated with cannabis, but they, they're starting to see, for example, we're good partners. And so if we put up a commission like this, they benefit. And they see it as as good as well. But they got to be quiet about it because they, they, you know, they don't want to get kicked out of their bank. Don't I look like a stoner? (laughs) Doesn't Caitlin look like a stoner? We're really proud of themselves. The only one here that looks like a stoner is Miggy. And that's only because he's standing in front of a field of cannabis. I thought you were going to say because I was brown, but that's all right. Oh, no, no, no. It's because you're you're reporting from weed. That's what it is. (laughs) Out from the weeds. Yep. When I go outside, it's a zombie apocalypse. That's oh, true. That's, yeah. that's scary. I mean, like I, I went to Chicago and there's people here. I'm like, ah, they could be carrying the disease. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every time you hear a cough, is everybody turn? I know. No, no. <laughs> it's, but it's, it is weird. I'm used to being rural. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, here in Seattle, uh, I just really don't notice the difference. I mean, everybody wears a mask anyways. <laughs> That's yeah. true. That's yeah. true. Certain In certain communities, they're masked anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah. But what I have noticed, like in this whole building that I work in, because usually they provide uh, uh, hand sanitizer wipes for you guys, for us, uh, just surfaces, whatever. You know, nerds don't like to get sick in allergy season. A whole building is dry of white. I'm like, how the fuck does this even happen? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take these home. Yeah, exactly what happened. Yeah. Sorry, it's not a Fred Meyer. I'm living with these. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, shit. So, what do you guys. 
for the, the alliance, uh, what do you guys consider the difference between an, an advocate and an activist? You know, we um, were debating this earlier uh, the, this morning, and I don't know, uh, you had kind of a more cogent. Well, an activist, we were talking about an activist is actually out there pushing the envelope, and um, an advocate is behind the activist actually kind of smoothing things over. And I think now that Caitlin and I have talked, she was like, we always need the activist. And I was like, I think, you know, I'm from a more moderate viewpoint and I'm like, I'd like to be the advocate. I want to come behind and just say to the legislators, it's okay. It's okay. It's not that bad. We're not going to know, but I, you know, it's, it's interesting to watch the activists out there yelling and screaming mm -hmm. and then and then to come on and be the voice of reason and the kind of the voice of calm and saying, you know, you know, your grandma uses weed. Just, just yeah. Yeah. It's like the difference between Bernie and Biden. So, yeah. like, you know, the Bernie is the activist and Biden is the advocate. You know, it's just it's a little it's bit more. Yeah, I would actually say between Bernie and Elizabeth more right. because yeah. I feel like the advocate and the activist primarily still want the same thing. They do. Like yeah. it's much of a much closer similarity. Just yeah, one's out there shouting. Mm -hmm. And the other one, I think Elizabeth Warren is more the advocate. She's out there kind of smoothing things behind and she has the same policies as Bernie. Mm -hmm. She just has a plan behind them. Yeah, and I think an advocate and act and they need both now that we've talked. You do need both. You need the person out there in front. And they're the ones that need to be wearing the weed t-shirts and they're the ones that need to have the long hair and, and they're the ones that, you know, and we see the advocates and the activists in a lot of the legislative hearings. And in a little sense, you're like, oh boy, here you are. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, when you come in as the voice of reason behind them, the legislators are like, oh good, you're not gonna yell at me. <laughs> the same thing as the activist. Yeah. I'm just saying it in a little quieter voice. Yeah. Yeah. To get, remind them your grandma smokes weed. No, I used to hate the term yeah. activist myself just because I thought all activists were poor. <laughs> <laughs> and you're probably right. Like, I like money and showers. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But some yeah. activists, sometimes they lose the forest for the trees. You know, I think that's, that's one of the problems when they go into those extremes, they, they lose a lot of the people because most people, they just want to be normal, have a good life have a regular, you know, have fun, a little mm -hmm. bit of money and, and, and go home and see their kids. Yeah. Uh, some people are like, no, we have to do this or otherwise everything's crap. Those ones are just a little too extreme sometimes. And I think they can turn people off by that. They are. But on the other hand, they bring out some ideas and you're like, oh, I never really thought of that. Hmm. Okay. Let's see how we can make this work. So they can yell and scream. And then you, if you listen to them, you're like, wait a minute, there's a kernel of truth here that I can make this particular kernel of truth work. I'm not, I'm not going to listen to the rest of you yelling, but this little particular, <laughs> and I've talked to some of those activists that go into some of the regulatory meetings and they yell. And I say to them, you know what, as soon as you yell, people stop listening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you say what you want to say, I, I learned that with, when I have, I have three kids of my own, they're all grown, but I learned if I yelled, my kids stopped listening. But if I got really quiet, they listened very carefully because I meant mom mm -hmm. was pissed. And so <laughs> I've learned if I'm really, really angry, my voice gets really, really quiet. Oh, wow. Yeah. They used to play my voicemails to their friends when they were teenagers. <laughs> when you were just like whispering to them, you're like, my mom's pissed. Hey, yeah. my mom yeah. pissed. Yeah. I gotta go. Yeah, She's yeah that activist stuff can be kind of frustrating to do the cleanup of afterwards. And I, I think we have fought very hard to 
to put a more professional face on this industry as a whole. And, and I think that we're really succeeding in that in general. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so the activist is nice in that for those of us that are, are doing this daily work all the time, sometimes um, you can forget that spark and be more amenable to some compromise perhaps in the process that sometimes the activist is nice to give that little that little cattle prod of no, yeah. we're there's a vision here that that's worth fighting for. Speaking no, of that, and I was going to get into the social equity question. Then yeah. you know we're going to talk about vision. How are you guys approach? Because I I know how they're approaching social equity well in uh, Illinois, but how are they doing it in Washington? Terribly, they're, they're not doing it well. They're kind of trying to do it backwards. What does and, that mean? So um, like they're making more white people get in, like <laughs> white men, <laughs> more white men in this industry. Yeah. No, so unlike Illinois, it was not addressed at the outset. Right. So now we've had, you know, just about five years of no attention being given to it at all whatsoever. And then so in trying to attend to it retroactively, it's it's a lot of, of fluff that doesn't get at the substance of the problem. And it's done in a vacuum of consultation with the folks that it would affect most. Um, so it's it's a bunch of white legislators or um, or other groups kind of coming up with solutions that really don't have much of an impact on them to begin with. Yeah, because you guys have quite a disparity between wealth and and normal people in your state. Yeah, yeah. we do. Yeah, the alliance is working on the social equity part. That's good. Yeah, on the social yeah. equity part, and it's a continuous. It's it's all put into the fabric of the association. Mm -hmm. And so everything we take on, we look at it through the lens of social equity and then we run it by our partners who are out there on the front lines and the two minority groups that are really active. Um, we look at it that in, in their lens and we ask for their input. And then when they have particular pieces of legislation they wanna run, we, we weigh in and, and make sure that we have their support. But it's all done very transparently. And the current there's a current social equity uh, bill right now that none of the groups like. Yeah. Hmm. So I think one of those signs that um, was just ill conceived to begin with, and then as it's moved through the stages, it's been reshaped and um, so social equity in title, but in the actual implementation of it will be. Well, it's mostly it? Yeah, it's all bureaucratic. Weren't they going to add just add licenses and then that say, okay, it was to add licenses. It was actually to out to, to go out and give out licenses to um, those impacted by the war on drugs, but there was no certification attached to it. Mm -hmm. So I jokingly say, I'm going to go in and say I'm Thai, and they're going to give me a license, and I'm going to turn around and sell it right right away because there's no certification. There's no way to go back and check in a year to see if it's mm. actually still uh, you know impacting the, the, those communities there's no funding attached to it hmm. um, it creates a task force around social equity and it creates an ombudsman to help those various i think there's 13 retail licenses that are going to be released but it doesn't address producer processors it doesn't address um any of the funding that people are going to need it doesn't address um allowing more licenses for social equity to farm. It's just 13 retail licenses in cities that mm -hmm. frankly have put a moratorium on, on cannabis businesses. So I'm not quite sure unless you want to open a store on Lopez Island. Not a bad place, but then you'd be the token person of color on Lopez. 
and yeah. doesn't really address what we're talking about. Not really. Yeah. It, yeah, it's kind of a shitty way to go about it. Now, yeah. does your guys' data kind of look like the, the rest of the data as a whole in the country where the people that are arrested for cannabis use typically are not white? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, is that an aspect of your social equity, though? Because they kind of built that in. Like, if you are arrested, you're going to get these points. And then that's fairly easy to prove. You have an arrest record. So, like, it really means you were impacted by the war on drugs. And then they just, uh, it's limited. So, like, they didn't want to reward uh, large marijuana traffickers for it. So, if you were busted for like up to a pound of possession, or if you were busted with an ounce of um, intent to distribute, you know, that, that qualified you to get all these points in the Illinois uh, legislature or the Illinois rubric. So like when they have the scoring system for these social equities, uh, they, they, they'd be you know, competitive. So there'd be points and you have to get over the line of the points. 20% of the points would come from uh, that arrest. And uh, it really puts them way out the gate, you know, because otherwise you pretty much need to have a perfect application if you don't have that social equity talent in Illinois. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be really that would be really useful. Um, This current bill doesn't address that. You have to come up with your own social equity plan and then it goes by a certain committee. and here in Washington, our um, licensing regulations in terms of criminal record aren't that specific. So yeah. it, it's simply just uh, misdemeanor or felony. It doesn't break it down um, any further than that. But I thought you couldn't be an owner if you have a felony, a, a cannabis felony in Washington State. Correct. See, our but social equity rocks. If you had any felony for drugs, um, for any kind of drugs. So, yeah, exactly. So a, a ton of people who, yeah, were, I like how you said traditional market, who are in the traditional market. Yep. Just legacy. Legacy, market. Legacy, legacy market. market. Legacy market. That's legacy market. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. 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 That was the, that was also the Canisur guy. The, the Boveda, you know, Boveda. Uh, that was Lance, right? Yeah. Well, he accepted both ways to say it either. Yeah, Boveda, but yeah, that was great. He had the Canisur and also the Legacy Market, but then he's in the he's in Southern California. Those guys have had legal weed since. Yeah, they have very nice business cards too. I appreciate them. But uh, Illinois's uh, social equity, uh, they're also you guys. It's it's a loan, right? That they offer the candidates. They can. Uh, That's one of the applications that'll probably help some people on uh, in May. um, After I relax a bit. But uh, they have uh, a loan fund, about 30 million bucks, open to social equity applicants, at least on the dispensing side. They don't have it on the craft grow side. Then you still need to have adequate capitalization, but it's just a little bit easier to access financing when you're building a, a cultivation facility as opposed to a retail facility. So uh, hopefully, yeah, that, that should be good. So you have to... Uh, winner license, you have to be a social equity ca- uh, winner, and then you can uh, ask for one of these loans, these low interest loans from the state of Illinois, and they have like 30 million bucks set away for it. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's nicely, nicely. And that's where, yeah, and that's where ours falls down the most is just no uh, financial support. Um, well, you see, you know, uh, that's, that's why uh, you make it something to hype and then everybody and then i think actually for the 30 million they actually oh man whenever you try to talk about the man and the man's like oh crap he's going to tell him how to screw us over <laughs> cut, cut his feed cut his feed <laughs> so um they required the current producers to chip in that so you just shake oh. down the current license holders or you'll ro- revoke their licenses 
Huh? Although we haven't, we haven't. They won't like that. <laughs> around some micro lending, yeah. and within I, the industry, within the industry, and I think, I I think enough people are pretty much interested in social equity that we might get. I don't think we'll get thirty million. No, but 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 you know we might have something as long as we had some seed funding. But frankly, I think the state should cough up some money as well. I mean, they make enough money off of us. Do you know how many total producers and processors and everybody all together is in Washington State's industry? 1,700? Well, I think that's the latest, yeah. It's like 1,700? Mm-hmm. Wow. 1,700. That's a combination a of stores and grows, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, but that's a lot. I mean, like, that's well, how big is your average grow in Washington? Yeah, that's a that's number of licenses. Right. Not all of them are in action right now. Mm. So about 300, I think, of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, during the medical days, we had over a thousand dispensaries throughout the state. And so that was also vertical. A lot of times it it was uh, a grower who had a storefront and then plus their buddies, other stuff. But, uh, you know, a thousand dispensaries, uh, what we have now is still not meeting the needs of because patients are are high use. And certainly not patient needs um, in terms of quality tested products. So pesticide, heavy metal free. Um, and then uh, potency of product is also um, something that folks are having a hard time getting their hands on. And then volume. Yeah. Um, yeah. Simple yeah. volume. Uh, and consistency. What yeah. are you guys uh, shooting for for testing for Washington State? Because I think we're still at the point where it's, it's a line between recreational and medical, right? A line for testing? Yeah. Between- they, there was the oh, requirement yeah. where. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're uh, the LCBs released uh, uh, the new rules. They're in rulemaking for quality assurance testing, and their their deadline for comments is March 18th. So mm-hmm. we're putting together the Cannabis Alliance's statement on that. But there's there is some wide ranging thoughts around quality assurance. I mean, everybody wants it to be tested. Yeah. It's just cost prohibitive. I mean. But the, the size of the lot testing is is what a lot of folks are debating about, and um, and then where within the you know those kinds of logistics. But yeah. we are uh, as an industry on a whole, everybody's for full um, spectrum pesticide and heavy metal testing. Yeah. Um, and along with that is being the DOH list and the LCB list of pesticides more um simpatico with one another so that we were looking at the exact same uh things and all those kinds of that's i just i never understood why we had that line for something that's human consumption you know uh you know this is the good weed this is the bad weed if we just tested them all the same and gave the consumer a chance to say here's your shitty weed with shitty pesticides thank you here's your 10 bucks for an eighth or whatever you know people (laughs) buy it yeah. Do you guys want to have a list of like prohibited pesticides or prohibited things that you're not allowed to put on the plants? We already do. We do. Um, from the Department of Health. Um, right. And then LCD also has a list. Um, but they're not the same list. But they the are consistent. Yeah. yeah. They'll just be allowed right. Eagle Max at right. any time. Yeah. And the problem is that often these, I mean, we're, we're noticing this between the, the, the LCB, the Department of Agriculture, Department of Health. And the Department of Ecology is they're not mm-hmm. all talking to each other. Um, and, you know, of course, there's a little bit of battle over turf, but it's also they're so massive and no one requires them to talk to each other. No one yeah. says, okay, here is the, you know, there's no overarching. Again, that's where a commission would come in. There's no overarching 
entity that says, okay, we're covering cannabis and you guys all need to talk to each other. Yeah. And let's not forget the LCB likes to nick on dime. Everybody, growers, uh, stores. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember Dank's Emporium down in uh, Olympia. Yeah. Uh, they had a podcast that was behind their, their shop, uh, a door that was divided the, to a separate room. And uh, they even got it confirmed through uh, LCB inspectors like, hey, as long as you don't have uh, access from the main pot shop, it's considered a different building. But eventually they were raided because they were doing dabs on the show. And, and that's why I don't get how the LCB gets the authority to, to crack down on a podcast like they they actually raided the podcast, took their equipment and, and they just overextend themselves. Another incident is uh, a friend of mine, uh, Levi Lyon, who uh, does the. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the yeah, private bus, or yeah, the, the Levi, the dad bus, and he he has a private party. That's you know yeah. Washington State's uh, uh, workaround, right? We're we're all yeah. friends, and so I'm gonna give you something and yeah. you hang out. But uh, they took his bus. Yeah. Like, what? Fuck. Yeah. Dude, I tell stories about yeah, that bus. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He's raising money to try and get his bus back because he's he's really kind of. I mean, it's really hurting his business. No, that was doing he's still doing the music stuff but it's not in washington state unfortunately it's kind of really kind of dampened his own well and to answer your question lcb's been given that um enforcement capability and as we know um anybody in that enforcement role will at some point push it beyond what their scope of enforcement is. And unless somebody is there to rein them back in, they will continue to do it. And there is very little oversight of LCB other than themselves. And, yeah. and pushing back. Fear with, um, with recreate or yeah, recreational, because uh, a long time ago, I wrote an article uh, kind of preempting, like when it was medical, I don't know if you guys remember, it was the wild West Tom's mind's blown. Whenever I talk about the markets and, and doing on-site consumption and, you know, walking away with, with cheap quality cannabis. But uh, once 502 happened, now you had the uh, uh, the state police uh, uh, now under the arm of the, the governing body, which there was no governing body when it was medical, which kind of what hurt us. But yeah, to, to, to give uh, state troopers and local authorities the, the right to take a bus or podcast equipment, fucking insane. Way to go, Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. I, I tell stories about that bus when I'm in Illinois. I remember it like it was yesterday, even though it was like nine, ten months ago. But anyway, like, you know, one thing, it's it's Women's History Month here, and uh, us at CLN are highlighting women leaders in cannabis. So what advice do you have for women? Oh, it says female identifying folk who are in, interested in transitioning to cannabis industry but don't know where to start. Volunteer at your local yeah. association. I mean, that's really kind of huge. If you have a trade association, get out there and start volunteering. I have to say the nice thing about this industry is it's really women friendly mm -hmm. um, for the most part. I, I, you know, I've come from several other industries where it's a real struggle for women to be heard. I think women have a place. I think women are, are a strong voice in this industry and we need to hear from you and we need you to be active in your local yeah. trade associations. Now, that's not to say we don't have our own issues with misogyny right. in yeah. our industry, obviously. But um, but from a business perspective, I, it's the only time that I've um, enjoyed being in rooms that are truly mixed gender 
and um, and that's gender across the spectrum. It's a, a pretty welcoming group of folks. And um, and the first time as a woman, I don't feel like I'm constantly having to prove myself as as an effective leader, and in the same way that I have had to in other industries. So um, yeah, come on in, start showing up to events, um, get involved, uh, start calling your legislators. You know, the just that way. And I think that you'll find. Um, a really easy time finding a mentor and somebody to put their arm around you and say and show you the ropes and, and start introducing you around. Yeah, I add too that the the alliance has some amazing women on the top part. Besides you two, I know AC Braddock and uh, uh, Danielle from Trailblazing. Um, just a bunch of badasses. Period. Nice. Yeah, we we got some some pretty awesome women. What's well, fantastic? You know, hopefully you guys are off to a good 2020 and you don't all die of the coronavirus, you know? <laughs> you almost lost me. I don't know. Really, really close there. Hey, Tom, what was the secret you had to tell? Oh, oh, right. Yes. Thank you for sticking around to the end. Uh, and there, then I have to tell you why we're here. And the thing that I was going to share with everybody is who won the scoring of the actual application for the dispensaries. And so Illinois has done this bid here, and it says bid open date of March 9th, 2020, available date of 2024. But then uh, lower on, it says, you know, notice a contract pursuant to the CRTA, the Cannabis Regulation and Tax Act form, KPMG LLP, blind application grading. Uh, and I'm not sure if this is, well, hopefully it'll open somewhere. Uh, no, it still hasn't. That that still is a dead link right there, unfortunately. But it looks like uh, KPMG is going to be doing the scoring of the. I, how many applications did we have? We had four thousand applications, approximately eight hundred teams, uh, and so there's going to be a, a, a quantity of one, uh, and then it's legal consulting. Uh, no, wait here. Wait here. It is. Uh, so quantity of one. Uh, review these eight hundred groups of apps. 2,500 an app for 2 million bucks. Wow. And then um, after that, you get down to the human review. Uh, there you go. For the implementation of, so like after it gets more difficult and you're like, all right, well, let's figure out who all the tiebreakers are and stuff like that. Then that's an extra 5000 a $500,000 contract for uh, $200 an hour and, and 2,500 hours of work. So that's... That's who's going to be grading this. KPMG also graded Florida's applications, which of course ended in a lot of litigation and litigation's going on in Missouri right now as well, uh, another competitive state. So in a few months, there'll be some litigation in Illinois. Yay. <laughs> More work for lawyers. That's awesome. <laughs> for him, at least. <laughs> I mean, like, there's just so much regulation in this industry. It just goes to show that they don't know what they're regulating. Otherwise, there would be way more regulations in a different industry because they'd be like, oh, it's that? Well, make sure you pay your taxes. Okay. Yeah, pay your taxes and uh, and don't serve the minors. Very simple. Yeah, it's very simple. Yeah. Kristen, Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having thank us. You. This was fun. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Where can we go to follow and support the Cannabis Alliance? You would visit, our website is thecannabisalliance.us. You can also find us on all the social medias. Yeah, we're all there. Sweet. We'll make sure to do that. Thanks so much for tuning in for another episode of Cannabis Legalization News. And make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all Cannabis Legalization News. We'll see you next week. Thank Later. you. Bye.
Peace. Cha-ching. Cha-ching.